Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. All right, welcome back to the third hour here with me on 106.7 The Fan, Ben Standig. I cover the Commanders for The Athletic, and my guest covers the Commanders for The Washington Post. Nikki Jabala joins me here to discuss the Combine and the Commanders. I left Indianapolis on Thursday. Uh, I believe Nikki was supposed to leave yesterday. I have not seen any reports of Indianapolis uh, they need the National Guard to bring to, to come into Indy. So I'm assuming you d- you made it out safe and didn't cause any uh, re- uh, further damage in that city. Correct. Yes, I did make it out safely. Indianapolis is still intact. Um, yeah, so all all good there. Did you, you know, it, it is such a fascinating scene. I mean, there's been a few stories written about what goes on behind the scenes there, like from the, the social scene. Um but it's so interesting because literally the entire league is there. If it's effectively people representing all the different teams are there from a head coach, general manager, all the way down to the various scouts and other support staff. You've got uh, agents are all over the place. You've got media people all over the place. And they have this huge complex where you have these hotels all attached to this big convention center. And when you walk down the hallway from your hotel to the, to the main sort of lobby area, it's like you're, you're in, you're, you're, you're in this, uh, Calm. It's like a roller coaster. You're in this calm part. Everything's fine, and then all of a sudden, you just shoot right out into all the people are, and the energy it just like overwhelms you almost on some level, and you're just off, and you're just on the whole time until you go to bed, basically. Yeah, I mean, it. it, it Mike Jones put it the best way. It's it's really two days in one. Every day is, you know, you got, you know, during the day it's a lot of, you know, you're interviewing prospects as they bring them out or coaches and GMs. Um, you're, you're mingling, basically trying to network, meet coaches, talk to GMs and executives as they pass through the hotel or the convention center. And then in the evening, because the schedule is so weird, they, they, they set up the combine primarily for the TV production. So it's, 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 so they can air this on, you know, in the late evening, um, so after the workouts, I'm they're interviewing a lot of players at like nine at night, and they don't get done till around eleven thirty. And um, once they're done, they you know they they want to get their dinner, and then they go out, and so media follow typically, and you're out late at night trying to um, just talk to folks and and meet folks, and so it's like that's the second day packed into one, you know. Um, so it's a lot. It's 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 kind of a grind. It can be very very long days but um also very productive days we certainly hope for the latter part certainly everybody's bosses hope for the latter part they don't want you they don't want us coming back with these uh, big travel and expense bills but then like no news or no notes so yeah, ho- hopefully <laughs> hopefully we satisfy that part of it and then of course because we cover this crazy team there was constant news throughout you contributed that to that in terms of uh the washington post reporting on dan snyder 
as well. Um, I was saying this at the top, like when we see people and they say, hey, oh, you're on the commanders. You get get these looks from people like, oh, I I thought I was busy. Then I remember you're here and I don't feel so bad. Or, you know, it's like, oh, it could be a lot worse. Oh, yeah, that happens all the time, all the time. But, you know, I I love it. I mean, there's always something to write about. Um, for better or worse, there's always something to write about. So, so, so no that, complaints here. Yeah, for sure. So that said, in terms of the combine itself, whether we're talking about things that Ron Rivera or Martin Mayhew said or maybe some aspects of the the player interviews or, or just some news that pertains to Washington, what do you think was the most interesting thing for you to come out of uh, this week in Indianapolis? Um, well, for me, it was, it's just kind of the, you know, all the news with Dan Snyder and just, just kind of hovering over everything. I mean, you know, everything going on with the football side of the team is just kind of, you know, you're just kind of waiting to see what happens. Even the team itself, as they, you know, analyze uh, or review prospects or talk to people or, can, you know, start to move forward with free agency and, you know, it's it's all under this, you know, sort of cloud of the ownership of uncertainty. So um, just that whole thing, because it, it, it's going to be there. It may be there for a while, unfortunately. Um, and, and just kind of following that and see how others view that, too, at the Combine. Um, and then for the football side, you know, it's, it's become such a scripted event, you know, like, prospects kind of all say the same thing. They're trained up really well. Coaches can all say the same thing. Um, so you don't get a whole lot of news, but, you know, I thought probably the biggest thing, and it, it's not new. It, it's kind of consistent with what they've said over the last couple months is that, you know, they, they're moving forward with Sam Howell as of now, but they're going to add, you know, competition to the quarterback's room. Certainly they want to add a veteran, um, it doesn't seem like they're they're really interested in adding one of the high price veterans, be it Derek Carr in free agency or if somebody else comes available via trade. Um, I mean, they've tried that the last two years and it did not pan out, obviously. Um, so it'll be interesting to see who they get and kind of how they fill out that room and then ultimately what happens in camp, um, if, if Howell ultimately does end up as a starter or if, you know, they go a different direction. But, um I'd say that was probably the biggest thing. I'm trying to think if there was really any other major news pertaining to Washington. Well, yeah, there, so there was the uh, Duran Payne tag officially happening. That was probably the yeah, biggest. Yeah, but that was like that was totally expected. You know, it was like, sure. you know, but uh, yeah, for, for sure. We're talking with Nikki Jabala from the Washington Post at Nikki Jabala on Twitter J H A B V A L A. Um, but in terms of the Duran Payne part, you're you're right. We we all kind of knew that the tag was coming didn't necessarily know it was coming at 3 30 in the morning but that's a whole other story um yeah <laughs> but in terms of that where this is going obviously they have uh until you know later this summer to get a long-term deal done but you know if there's no signs it's going to happen they may want to make a deal uh, to trade him before uh the draft uh, they may just play it out and have him play on the tag maybe everything goes right and they Time to do a long-term deal. That one seems to be the least likely of them all. What's your best sense right now? What if you had to play out the Duran Payne situation? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I mean, I could, I could totally see him playing on the tag, you know. And if they're smart, they really consider their options ahead of the trade deadline. But 
I don't know. They definitely seem more interested in trying to sign him to a long-term deal, whether that's feasible and they actually do it is a whole different story. Um, you know, with Brandon Sheriff, it, that was, you know, I, with each tag, you know, there was no chance of them signing him to a long-term deal. I don't think either side really wanted that to happen. Um, you know, and then Kirk Cousins, obviously, he was tagged twice, too, and it didn't work out. So, I don't know. I, it, it, I can see them doing it. I, I think the thing that I'm always – hesitant with, you know, and re-signing him is the amount of money that they've allocated to one position group, the defensive line. I mean, they got, and this is what happens when you have four first rounders up front. Um, but, you know, they re, they re-signed Jonathan Allen, obviously. Debate um, with the fifth year on Montez, you know, now Duran's up. Uh, they got to decide on the fifth year on Chase. And then ultimately, you know, what are they going to do with their ends long term? So it's a lot of money devoted to, you know, the four guys up front. Um, and can you really build out the rest of the roster if you have that much, that many cap dollars uh, allocated to that group? You know, it, I think everything can be, you know, sort of finagled any way you want with the salary cap. Um, but you got to get creative. I don't know that this team has always done that. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No doubt. And, you know, obviously one of the other stories we're all going to be wondering about is Chase Young's fifth-year option. Uh, it's over $17 million if they pick it up. Uh, that's not this year. That's the following year. Ron Rivera uh, su- hinted at, suggested to to you guys when during the Super Bowl week that we'll see. It's not a foregone conclusion that they would do it. I, I suspect they will ultimately do it just because it keeps your options open. And, look, if, if Rivera's not here right. next year, it's somebody else's problem. But – Right. You, I, you look back on it. I know people lament that 2020 draft in the sense that they didn't take Justin Herbert or Tua Tunga Viola, you know, which is you know the definition of Monday morning quarterbacking. You know, they had a young quarterback here, but I like. Do you even think back then they thought to themselves, "Well, one day we may have to extend all four of these defensive linemen, and that's not a great move." That, that that's like because that's the type of thing I always wonder about with this group. How much forward thinking exists? It feels like to me that's not, that's one of those deals where. I'm not saying you don't draft Chase Young because of that, but do you even think about it? Because clearly this was going to be the scenario they would be in, and now they're here. It's like, well, what do you do? You can't extend all of them, I wouldn't think. So do you think they even think about those things back then? I mean, I think you have to, but at the same time, I mean, when you inherit a group that has that many first-round picks up front, I think it's got to be a consideration. But at the same time, you know, that's Chase Young. I mean, he was – I mean, in, in that draft class, he was it was Chase Young and everybody else basically for non-quarterbacks. So, with the number two pick, of course, you're gonna. It, it just made sense, and you know, I think it's easy to go back and say, "Oh my gosh, how did they not choose a quarterback?" But that wasn't that wasn't really feasible for them given the circumstances. I mean, Dwayne Haskins was essentially handpicked by the owner. You can't. <laughs> There's your hands are kind of tied there. You have to at least give it a chance, which they did, um, and it didn't work out. But they they sort of had to give it a chance. I don't think there was any scenario where they could have picked Herbert, even if they wanted to. And I don't know that they wanted to even. I think, you know, there were so many people that were kind of down on Herbert ahead of the draft, myself included. I never thought it would be like this. Um, but yeah, I, I back to your question. I. I I think you have to consider the long-term future, but, you know, that's also pretty far in the future at that point that they thought, all right, well, we got to get the best player here and then we'll figure the rest out later. Yeah. I mean, that's reasonable to think that way. I just sort of, 
at some point, they, it, even to this minute, it's almost like they the way Rivera talks about it. It's like he doesn't want to acknowledge that this is potentially an issue. They just we want to like even Deron Payne a year ago. They didn't attempt to negotiate a long term deal. Now they want to keep him, and he obviously did oh, have a very he balled out. Like I mean, he had like a hell of a year. Yeah, if he, yeah. Had a, if he had a year like he did, you know, in the first three of his career, I don't think we'd be in this situation. But like he, he was a different player last year. Um, and I do, I do know that they really like him. Like even off the field, just in the way he, the effort he puts in the practice, like the way he works, um, they really, really like that. And you can't always say that about some of the guys there. Right. It, it's sort of like saying, like, I'm going to go carb free, but then everybody starts raving about this pizza place up the street. I'm like, all right, I'll try. I'll, I'll see it. Then you try one piece. Like, this is the best pizza ever. I'm now no longer on a carb free diet. Like, what's your plan? Is your plan you're keeping him or you're not? Like, you can do other things or keep him and trade Chase Young or Montez Sweat. I'm just saying, I don't know what their plan is. And that's the part that's sort of confusing um, to me. But as you know, I'm easily confused. Well, I don't know that they necessarily have a player, and that's been a large part of the problem in some ways. But, I mean, I do think the Duran thing is, you know, he he had a heck of a season. He showed a lot more than they, they expected him to in some ways. Um, but, you know, as far as long-term future with that group, I I don't know. The, the, I don't know that they necessarily have a long, long-term plan. Perhaps they do. I don't want to, you know, undermine them like that, but you know, I think, again, it kind of goes back to the ownership uncertainty and how far can you really think in advance, you know? Absolutely. All right. Um, while I have you here, let's take advantage of your reporting on the Dan Snyder of it all. You and uh, your colleagues have obviously written a bunch on this topic, including this weekend. There were three basic Dan Snyder news stories that came out over the last few days. One was about uh, that Dan Snyder is apparently not allowing Dan, uh, Jeff Bezos to bid on the team. One was the ESPN report about this $55 million secret loan line of credit that his Snyder's former minority partners didn't seem to know about um, and that you know Roger Goodell kind of helped get it and what, kind of what went on there. I think, mm-hmm. though, the most interesting news was what you guys reported about how Dan Snyder is looking to get indemnified. I can't say this word. Uh, get, get protected, basically. Should there be any other – should he sell the team and there be other lawsuits or other – uh, you know, infractions come up that that he could be re- responsible for. He wants that responsibility taken yeah. off of him. And the NFL is kind of like, eh, I don't know. I, I think this to me is the most pertinent story because it's in the moment where the somebody else could buy the team if it's not Bezos. And the other story kind of was resolved, but we'll see if there's the the uh, if there's something else here that potentially comes up. So talk us through your story, and, and and I do think it's significant. I assume you do as well. What do you think is significant about this, and how could this affect what's going to happen here with uh, with Snyder selling? Yeah, I don't think anybody expected this to be a smooth process. Um, <laughs> no. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and, and I was reporting with um, Mark Maskey and Liz Clark, who are exceptional. Um And basically, we were told that um, Dan Snyder has requested indemnity from from owners in the league with all the legal issues that have come up as, you know, part of for as part of the sale process. Like he's requesting that they cover all his legal costs basically as, as he sells the team and they're like, uh, no. Um, so that's, that's angered ownership. Um, and you know, the, I mean, membership, the other owners across the league and has kind of raised the, 
the, I, I guess, the, I don't want to say issue, but kind of increased motivation for possibly voting them out if they feel it comes to that. And to do that, they would need, of course, 24 of the 32 owners. Um, I should say 31 because the Packers are publicly owned, but they would need 24 other owners to vote in favor of that, which is, you know, they've, they've never done that before. Um, Jerry Richardson, you know, after that story came out in what, 2017, he decided to sell voluntarily. He wasn't pushed out or anything like that. So this would be precedent setting. Um, And there is, I'm sure, fear among other owners that, you know, this, you know, they don't want the tables turned on them. Um, So this would be a significant move. And I'm always skeptical that if it, if it would really happen, I, I think it's one thing to say, you know, there's increased motivation for it, but you know, I believe it when I see it, but certainly something like this would, would probably bring them closer to that. Now, um, we also reported that, you know, the, the league is hopeful that Jerry Jones, who has been Dan's um, closest ally among NFL membership, um, will try to broker some sort of deal to, to convince them to sell, um, and kind of move forward with the process. Now, Dan is also trying to get them to not release the Mary Jo White report. Um, so, you know, he announced in what November that they were exploring potential transactions for the team. And um, in the months since, you know, we've gotten closer to, um, it seems anyway, of, of getting this report from Mary Jo White, which is a second investigation by the league into allegations with um allegations against the team and Dan Snyder. So um, there's quite a bit going on since he announced. Um, and it's, we're just kind of all waiting to see how that plays out. But it's it's been somewhat tenuous, I would say, to put it politely, um, between Dan and the rest of the owners right now, um, just as he seeks, you know, indemnification and, and try to squash his Samaria White report. And, um, yeah. It's it's pretty chaotic. Yeah, pretty chaotic would be uh, would be one way to phrase it, this thing here yeah, for sure. All right, look, we all know Dan Snyder is the main story times fifty here, but the NFL draft is here, and I'll get you out on this. The we obviously got to listen to some of the prospects talk at the draft. You talk to people around the league about uh, what they what Washington may or may not do at sixteen if they stay pat. What do you think is their best option? You know, uh, at, at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like this year's cornerback class. I mean, I think that group is deep. I think there's incredibly talented players. I'm always amazed each year at, you know, the types of athletes that come through. I mean, even going back 10 years, I mean, these kids are athletic freaks. I mean, I mean they're running 40s in crazy times. Um, but I really like the guys there. I really like Devin Weatherspoon. I don't know that he'll be there at 16, but I think there's some good talent to be had for that group, and they really need it in the secondary I could also totally see him going offensive line. And I know it's not necessarily the sexy pick in the first round, but, you know, the good teams build the, the offensive line in the draft, right? And they, they really need some reinforcement on the interior of their line. Or even a tackle if they decide to move Sam Cosby inside um, to guard. So I, I could see them going either of those ways. Of course, they could always surprise and, you know, take a defensive end or something. I would never put that past any team, (laughs) which would be incredibly silly, but I would, I would never put a crazy move beyond any team. But I, I mean, those two position groups are are really the ones that I could see them going. Yeah. If they take a defensive lineman and keep Deron Payne, 
heads will explode. Yeah, then I, and that's that's the point where I walk out of the draft room and I'm like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> you know? Exactly. All right, go follow Nikki on Twitter at Nikki Jabvala, reader in the Washington Post. Of course, you do that already, and uh, you know she does a great job. Uh, especially with with her coffee orders she is the queen of the coffee at starbucks you should honestly it's an experience to go see her order coffee and see the heads turn behind the counter it's 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 a show you should do that at some point in your life um (laughs) nikki i appreciate it as always thanks so much of course thanks for having me all right we've got more to discuss here on 106.7 the fan we'll take your calls 800-636-1067 the fan All right, so the reason I was in Indianapolis this week was because that's where the NFL Combine was. And while the NFL Combine has morphed into a lot of different aspects, including talking to your coaches and your and general managers and trying to learn what the team might do in free agency or with their own free agents, the primary reason to be there is to learn more about the NFL prospects coming into the league. And that's where our, our next guest is coming in here. To give us that lowdown of what has gone on this week, Nick Baumgartner covers the Commanders for the Athletic. Nick, uh, thanks for joining us here on 106.7 The Fan. Are you still in India or are you uh, back home already? No, but I'm, I'm at home, actually. I had a uh, I fell off a scooter in India and hurt my wrist. So I am uh, home recovering, but I'm still watching, uh, still watching the combine. I was going to go home anyway uh, at the end of the week because we had stuff, as you know, early in the week. So. Uh, still caught up on everything, though. Well, I mean, like you know, it, it, players getting injured. We we know like Devin know, Withers. Right? We are like the combine is a long, as you know, it is a long, long week. <laughs> I was going to get lunch and fell off the scooter. So, hey man, it happens. Uh, tough stuff, but on we go. All right. Well, hopefully that doesn't hurt your draft stock in the eyes of the league. <laughs> exactly. Um, I guess just tell me what what stood out to you so far that that's been happened. Whether it's uh, player interviews, uh, these workouts, rumors. What for you right now right. is sort of the big headline coming out of uh, this combine? Well, I mean, I was still there uh, and healthy, actually, uh, when Jalen Carter's uh, situation happened. I think that's probably where it all starts, right? Um, you know, we have to still see. Uh, that's, you know, I've been going to combines a long time. I know you have, too. I've never seen that. I've, um, you know, we were standing there waiting for waiting for him to come out, and people really didn't even know, right, if he was going to come out because the arrest warrant had been reported maybe four hours prior. Uh, so that was weird, um, to say the least. Um, and we'll see what happens there, and we'll see uh, what all the charges come and what that, you know, what that does uh, in the eyes of teams. And I'm sure, you know, I don't even know how many of them got to talk to him. So, you know, that's number one. And then number two, uh, you know, the main event really is today with the quarterbacks. Uh, Bryce Young measured in this morning. Uh, I believe was a five ten and uh, and an eight, so he's just over five ten, and then he was a shade over two hundred. I think two hundred three. Uh, of course, he's not going to run or do anything else. I would expect him to be probably lighter at his pro day. Um, but hey, Bryce Young, if you're going to take Bryce Young, you get the you know the package is what it is. So that's I think everybody kind of knew that going in, and uh, no shocker there, but it is what it is. Uh, obviously, the Jalen Carter thing is is a, you know in a real right. world sense is a huge uh, concern. Yeah, huge deal. Concern, you know. Obviously, it, it was involving uh, a motor, a, a, a vehicle accident that, that caused um, former teammate and a coach to right. to, to die. So obviously, it's not, you know, that's way more important uh, than anything to do with with the football side. That said, you know, the football side is going to happen one way or the other. 
And what was interesting here was that it seemed like it was perfectly set up for the Chicago Bears at number one. They've got Justin Fields already. They, it looks like they may want to keep him trade down from number one, get more stuff, but still get a defensive lineman. That's what they really want to get. And the, right. a trade with the Colt, down with the Colts who pick four basically ensures that they would get either Carter or Will Anderson, the defensive end from Alabama. If Carter falls, this draft kind of feels like there's no obvious next guy, which maybe makes a trade to four more challenging for them. How do you kind of see the top of the draft for the Bears perspective play out here if, in fact, Jalen Carter does fall in the draft? Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, I've thought all along, especially with, you know, Chicago's been kind of maybe uh, talking a little too much, I guess. I've, I've thought a lot, a lot about this is going to be maybe a little harder to do than they than they maybe think um, up in Chicago, and I, I think it's pop, it's possible, uh, but you know to get the full return on a number one draft pick, um, you know it's a lot. Even if you go down to four, that's still an awful lot that you're you're going to want back. And since they're they're really desperate to do it, I almost wonder if you know Indy has the luxury a little bit of, of saying we don't have to go all in on Bryce Young in this draft. We don't have to go all in on C.J. Stroud in this draft. We can wait and take one of them. Uh, we have the team that we think uh, can sort of help this young player along. We don't have to make that move. There are other teams that could maybe blink and say this, or not blink and say the same thing to them. Um, and the big question comes down to, you know, whether or not a team believes Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud is the guy, is their guy that they cannot live without and they have to have going forward. Um, that's what it takes to move up for a number one pick. And if no one believes that, then that, that picks no one's trading. If one team believes it, right, that's all it takes. So um, I don't think it's a slam dunk. I think it's maybe a, a contested layup, Ben, right? Like something like that in basketball terms. But like, right. uh, I think they can get it done, but I'm, I'm very curious to see what the hall is because they've really played their hand out there. Everybody knows what they want to do. They tried to make that thing about, I mean, the, the fields thing was ridiculous. There was no way they were going to, they were going to draft another quarterback, so I don't know what they were thinking there. It's been a weird offseason, and I'm, I'm very curious to see how they finish this. All right, we're talking with Nick Baumgartner, covers the NFL draft for The Athletic, and uh, Nick joins us on the BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. Uh, BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities. Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting betql.com. Um, I want to ask you about cornerbacks. This is a position of need yeah. for Washington. And at 16, when you look at a lot of the mock drafts and big boards, it feels like this will be a spot where they should be able to have options depending on their own personal board. Uh, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon feels like he and Joey Porter from Penn State, maybe Dev Devin Witherspoon from Illinois, were sort of jockeying for the top guy. And again, We've got time here still, but it feels like Christian Gonzalez, based on his workout this week and his measurables, did a pretty good job of solidifying himself in that spot. How do you kind of see the top of that position? Yeah, I think Gonzalez, um, you know, credit to, to our colleague Dane Brugler there at The Athletic, who was on on him, I believe, faster or earlier than pretty much anybody else uh, in the country. I think he's the best full-package athlete. He was sub-4-3, uh, had really good explosion numbers, um, looked really good in all the on-field testing, um, you know, in the, in the drills they have run around out there. So, you know, did everything, I think. You know, his first 40 was a little slower than I think he wanted, but he actually came back and shaved quite a bit off. So that's, that was really good to see. And his, you know, his 20-yard split, I think, was outstanding. So 
he's the best mover in the draft um, as, as far as the corner goes in terms of the full package athlete. Uh, I think he'll be the first one to go off the board. Um, but then, yes, I mean, the question then, right, Ben, for, for the commanders is, who do you take at 16 in the next bunch? Is it Joey Porter? Is it Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois? Deontay Banks uh, from Maryland there looked outstanding yesterday at the Combine. He had one of the best days uh, of anybody. Um, so there's a lot of guys. Uh, Cam Smith uh, from South Carolina is in that mix. Uh, Forbes from Mississippi State is in that mix. There's a lot of guys right in that little pocket there that are really good players. They're all a little different, and they're all built different, and it's sort of like you know whatever your preference is, there's almost one for everybody. Uh, and if you are a team in the middle right there that needs a corner, it feels like it's a great year to do that because there's going to be one, and you're going to you're probably going to get one. You're not going to get the best one. You're going to get somewhere in the middle. But I think in this group, the top six or seven are all really good. So it's it's a good year to want a corner. Uh, you mentioned Deontay Banks out of Maryland. He had one of the really most impressive performances from a um, athleticism standpoint. Looking here at some numbers, he had a four three five. 40 yep. time. He had a 42 yep. inch vertical and an 11 foot four broad jump. According to ESPN, he's only the second player to hit all three of those marks or better since 2006. Um, yep. Athleticism isn't everything. You got to have good technique. What's the deal on Banks and where do you think he kind of fits in with his cornerback class and then his first round group as well? Yeah, I think yesterday probably helps him an awful lot, right? I think that he was a guy that was on that first round. I think we've had him in the top probably 30 or somewhere in there around that, around that fringe uh, for quite a while. But he's another one of these guys that, you know, when you watch him play, uh, all this translates. It's not, you know, it's not a shock. You know, it wasn't a shock, I suppose, to see, um, you know, a guy six foot, 200 pounds, solid athlete, not, you know, crazy length, but long enough. Not, not shocking to see him do this because I think, you know, when you saw him run, uh, you know, either be at the W or the, you know, the deep, you know, the deep cutoff drill, um, you know, he's tracking everything down exactly how you would want it, and he's in the right spot all the time. So, I mean, I think this is a really solid player uh, who's been a solid player, you know, all throughout the process anyway, and at least at the end of his uh, career there in Maryland. And uh, he's a first-round pick. I think that that's all those corners in the top there. I don't know if they're all going to go, but I think they're all going to have first-round grades, and we'll see kind of who needs what, I suppose, when it all shakes out. All right, we're talking with Nick Baumgartner, who covers the NFL draft for The Athletic. Let, let me, let's me let say this from Washington's perspective. Let's say they go cornerback at 16. Offensive line is ultimately their biggest need for sure. It wouldn't stun mm-hmm. me if they took at least two guys in the first uh, four rounds. In the second round, you could tell me they could take a tackle, a center, a guard. Who's somebody in that range for you that like you're just saying, you know what, keep an eye on this player throughout this process because I think he if he's there, we're watching the picks in the 40s that could make a, a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that, right, it depends on what they do in the first, and they're they're one of the harder ones to sort of, like, totally <laughs> totally gauge, because I don't want to rule out, I don't want to rule out quarterback for them. Like, I don't want to rule out quarterback early. I don't want to rule out quarterback for them later. I don't know what, you know, they want to do with, uh, you know, with the enemy. I mean, I, obviously you mentioned the offensive line, uh, but as you go down the board, I think you get into uh, – you know, there's some interesting edges. There's some interesting defensive tackles. I gave him Derek Hall, I think, in my um, in my last mock draft from Auburn, who's one of the faster uh, edges off the off the corner. Um, in that range, as far as offensive linemen would go, you'd have Darnell Wright, you'd have Dewan Jones, um, you'd have Steve Avila, and that was another those those three right there are guys that I all looked at. I remember for Washington because they fit exactly what we're talking about. They're they're 
tackles. You could also have a, a guy like Avila or Bart or uh, Matthew Bergeron who could be a tackle or a guard. Uh, so we're talking about several different options uh, in of versatility. You could play right or left, inside or out. You know, one of the two. So it's a good it's a good uh, spot to be in in terms of you know finding depth in those two spots. But I'm not sure exactly what they would want uh, in that area because it's still really hard to sort of peg them. And you would know better than I. I mean, what their exact needs are because it feels like they're sort of a team kind of in transition and kind of redefining maybe what they are. I guess going forward. Yeah, uh, no, 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 no doubt about it. At least, <laughs> right? We know they need a line. Eric Bieniemy being here maybe changes what we all think of what they need in terms of the type of lineman they want for his system. So that's another thing to to consider. Um, l- last thing you mentioned, quarterback. I, you know, look, I'm not sure any of those top four guys will even be there. Of course, when right. they pick at 16, uh, but they seem to be leaning into Sam Howell. But that doesn't mean uh, Sam Howell and then adding a veteran doesn't mean though that they couldn't draft a quarterback and if we're looking at like day two Washington just signed former Stanford offensive coordinator uh to become their quarterback coach Stanford quarterback Tanner McKee is one of those guys who's a sort of a maybe day two day three kind of a guy where do you what do you kind of think of him and would he be somebody that you know maybe not is competing directly with Sam Howell but maybe is interesting enough mm-hmm to give them another option going forward. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think Tanner McKee and Hendon Hooker are, are two guys that really I would think about for them in that maybe second or third somewhere in there, depending on – and maybe even longer because I just don't know how far down these guys are going to fall, and I think that's going to really be where it depends. And the key, especially, I think that would be a really cool sort of like alternative Sam Howell. He's a big pocket passer, really smart, uh, can really process, doesn't make a lot of mistakes and really throws with great anticipation. But – you know, that's one thing where we say it's, you know, well, you also have to have an offensive line for him because he's not really mobile. He doesn't really get around too much. If you can get Hendon Hooker healthy, he might be an even better option because he's got he's got the IQ as well, and he's a little bit more mobile. Um, and I think he could actually maybe, when healthy, even push a guy like Sam Howell, and he could maybe even have a nice little competition there. So I, I would really, I think, if you're not going to look at one early there, if you're watching because they have more needs, and I think that would make sense, uh, It's it's – there would be a team in that next batch of like, okay, who, where are these next quarterbacks going to go? I think Washington would be in that mix of at least of interest uh, and depending on what, you know, the enemy likes or sees. At Nick Baumgartner on Twitter. Great job. Go read his stuff uh, throughout the NFL draft process. Stay healthy, my guy. Don't, don't hurt yourself yeah. anymore. <laughs> you bet, buddy. All right. been. Thanks, Nick. All right, we've got a little bit more here to go on 106.7 The Fan. We'll talk some more Commanders, and we'll do that next on 106.7 The Fan. All right, this is the final countdown for this uh, show with me here on 106.7 The Fan. Have enjoyed these nearly three hours. Uh, a couple other quick notes here before we before we go. We're all, of course, going to wonder what the Commanders do in free agency. They've actually started that already, although not at a way that you may have noticed or that that's like a huge deal by any stretch of the imagination. And yet at the same time, actually a pretty interesting move. That is yesterday, the commander signed Marcus Kemp, a wide receiver who is primarily a special teams player. And you may be asking, uh, cool. Well, I mean, you know, no offense, but that's hardly a, a, a notable move. Well, it is in this case, because Marcus Kemp played his career primarily with the Kansas City Chiefs. Last year, he played five games, again, mainly special teams, but two of those five games included the Super Bowl. 
he caught a pass, uh, a key pass in the AFC Championship game as the Chiefs were starting to lose some players. What's notable here is I wrote about this the other day. I did a 10-point plan for Washington this offseason, and one of them was bring in some players that were with Biennemi in Kansas City so they can help spread the gospel of what an Eric Biennemi offense is all about. Coaching staff will certainly be the primary uh leaders in that charge, but the players themselves can really go a long way to show their fellow players, you know, how what the enemy is looking for, what 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 this means, what that means. Uh, I was focusing on a couple of offensive linemen in particular, including right tackle Andrew Wiley, who is a starter for the Super Bowl team. Kemp is one of those guys, though. Now, again, he, we're not talking about a dominant player here, but we are talking about somebody who's been on the team What's also interesting here is that if you look at Kemp, he's a 27-year-old, primarily a special teams player, who is uh, also a big target. He's six foot uh, four. Everything I just said is pretty much exactly what you get when you're looking at Cam Sims. Cam Sims, primarily a special teams guy. He's 27, six foot five. The difference with these two is. Kemp has the enemy ties, and for now, Kemp is under contract. Sims is not. Kemp Sims is a free agent right now. Now, it doesn't preclude them from keeping him, but if they, it does kind of feel that like this could be the new Cam Sims. You already have McLaurin and Samuel and Dotson and and uh, Deami Brown. Whether Dax Milne is back as the sixth receiver slash returner or not, that person will likely. Uh, if there's a six receiver, that person may be in the mix for the returner. So Marcus Kemp could be the new Cam Sims. We will see how that goes, of course. But um, that's just something that's happened there. And, you know, other moves will be coming up along the way. Free agency starts in a little over a week from now. And Washington's got some decisions to make. They've got to decide on some of their own players. We all know about Deron Payne, but Cole Holcomb is a free agent. Um, a bunch of guys on the offensive line. Wes Schweitzer has been a guy who's provided a ton of versatility. He's also been banged up. And then, of course, are there guys who are currently on the roster but maybe are released? We already talked about Bobby McCain. I mentioned why it feels like Logan Thomas is maybe safer than I would have imagined. But uh, they've got some calls to make for sure, and we will get to all of those here in the days and weeks ahead. If you want to follow me, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Ben Standig. You can listen to my podcast, Standig Room Only. Uh, you can find that anywhere. And, of course, read me on The Athletic. Uh, many thanks to our guests today. We had a bunch of them. Jeff Zrebeck covers the Ravens for The Athletic. We talked about Lamar Jackson. Ava Wallace from The Washington Post talking about the Wizards. Nikki Jabala from The Washington Post talking with me about the commanders. And of course, we just heard from Nick Baumgartner talking about the NFL draft. Uh, I will say I'm excited. I have not dug into the mock draft my own yet, really. It's been busy covering this team, as you know. But I think this is the week. The combine has inspired me. This is the week I'm really going to get into it and should have something up uh, online or on the podcast in the days ahead. So I am looking forward to to that. By the way, if you are just sort of catching up to the show and you missed the first hour, you can catch out uh, next, including the interview with Jeff Zrebeck about 
Lamar Jackson and his future with Baltimore and whether or not Washington could be a player should um, uh, Jackson actually hit the trade market. Also, uh, also talked a lot about what it was like to be there at the Combine as the Commander's world is once again melting down as it so often does. Um, but also, thanks to everybody here for listening to the show, for calling in, for hitting me up on Twitter with your with your thoughts. It's always a blast to do this, and I look forward to doing it again. And I believe next Saturday, in fact, uh, Caitlin and I will be here unless, you know, Caitlin tells the bosses that, uh, you know, Ben's out of control and needs, uh, you know, well, we need to reconsider his, his employment here. But that is it for me. Thanks so much. Uh, more of me, though, coming up. We'll t- you can hear me again talking Commanders and Ravens here on 106.7 The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.